Well, I suppose it was probably in about the second or the third grade that you, you learned this thing that when three certain elements come together, it makes fire. Do you remember this? It looks like this. How many of you remember that? For some of you, it might have been the seventh grade. Eighth? All right. <laughs> but when these three elements come together, these ingredients... A fuel, oxygen, and sufficient heat, you get fire. Every time. But if you take only one of those away, what happens? Fire is gone. You need all three. You don't sort of get fire with two, you need all three. I'd like to take a few weeks to talk with you about experiencing the fire of God in your life. By that I mean the unmistakable experience of the presence and power of God in your life. God describes himself and actually shows himself in the Bible to be a consuming fire. And when we experience the presence and power of fire on the earth, we know we've experienced fire. And when we experience the presence and power of the fire of God in our lives, we know we've experienced him. It's my understanding of the Bible and my observation that this fire will come together when three particular ingredients are present. When these three things come together, the fire of God always comes. Always. Remove any one of them, and the fire is extinguished. Is there anyone here who would like to know what those three ingredients are? The three ingredients with which, when they come together, guarantee the presence of the fire of God in some form or another are actually three different kinds of faith. Saving faith, power faith, and abiding faith. When these three kinds of faith are expressed authentically and genuinely from the hearts of God's people, the fire of God comes. By saving faith, I mean that kind of faith that when expressed results in the reality of the person who expresses it becoming saved. That person, the Bible says, crosses over from death to life, from condemnation to salvation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Secondly, by power faith, I mean that kind of faith that Jesus talked about when he said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed and say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you, he said. We'll talk more about that kind of faith next week. And third, by abiding faith, I'm talking about the kind of faith that causes us to abide closely with Jesus in any and every kind of circumstance. It's the faith that allows us to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty and to consistently experience the presence and power of God And to know what Jesus meant 
when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If any man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. And abiding faith is the kind of faith we express when it turns out that the power faith is not producing the results that we had first expected. It's my understanding of the Bible and my observation for many years as a pastor that when these three kinds of faith come together at the same moment in our lives, then the fire of God comes for us individually and as a body. So I feel led to bring three teachings today and over the next two weeks on the subject of faith, and specifically these three kinds of faith, and we're going to call it Faith Boot Camp. And it's my belief that everyone, everyone, every single one of you has equal access to the fire of God. Every single one of you has equal access to the fire of God. And that's my heart for you, is I want you to experience his fire, his presence, and his power. Today we're talking about saving faith. There's a kind of faith the Bible talks about that when you express it, it literally results in your own salvation. By that I mean salvation becomes activated for you as an individual that wasn't activated before you expressed this saving faith. The Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the world, yes? So that means that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and created a, created a circumstance whereby there is a universal invitation given to every person on the planet to be saved. He died for the sins of the world. Every sin of every person in the world, past, present, and future, he covered it on the cross with his blood. And so that creates a universal invitation But in order for that to be activated for you as an individual, for anyone as an individual, the Bible says we need to respond to that. We must respond to that with an expression, an authentic expression of saving faith. Now the good news is the Bible tells us that God will even give you that faith. But you still have to express it. That you're not automatically saved because Jesus died for the sins of the world and you're in the world. You are saved when you accept the offer of salvation made through his son, Jesus Christ. You're not automatically saved because you were born into a Christian family. You're not automatically saved because you go to church. You are saved when you authentically and fully release saving faith. And this is the beginning of the fire of God for you. I have a recurring concern that because in this country we are so inundated with the words of the gospel that there may be people who think they have expressed saving faith and are saved who actually have not and are not saved. I have this concern, and it's a recurring concern. Now, I have it as a, a concern for the world, for the church, and not for an individual. I'm not thinking about you when I say, I don't know if you've expressed saving faith. That would be judgment on my part. I have no interest in occupying the judgment throne. I just want to get through it. (laughs) And so I'm not thinking of an individual going, you know, I'm not sure that 
That doesn't even cross my mind. But it occurs to me that in our country, that so long we have been inundated with the words, the words of the message of the gospel, and so many varieties of ways of offers to respond to it, that it's possible, very possible, and even likely that people could be functioning thinking that they have expressed saving faith and in fact have not. And so it's worth talking about for everybody in the room, isn't it? In addition to it serving as the foundation for the experience of the fire of God, which you want to know about, I think it's good for us to visit it this morning just so you know that you know that you know that you are saved. And if it turns out that you have doubts about that, we have an opportunity for you to settle that today, here. I'm referring to this possibility. So what can we do about it? Well, let's see what Jesus said about it, shall we? I mean, don't take my word for it. Just one guy marching through the same thing you are. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, a pretty familiar starting. I'm not sure how many are familiar with the rest of it, but Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. That whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him, that he gave his one and only Son, yes? That whoever believes in him, whoever has faith, Believes is a tricky word. It comes from a Greek word, which means to have faith. And there can be a substantial difference between believing something and having faith in something. There can, uh, you can believe something that someone is telling you, but not have faith in that person, right? Yes, I believe that the sun is shining. If I tell you the sun is still shining right now, you could believe that, but not necessarily have faith in me. You just believe that particular thing that I'm saying. And so really the better way to translate, whoever has faith in Jesus, places their faith in Jesus, will have eternal life. Not just, oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I know. I believe he was here. I believe, I believe the story of the Bible. I believe it. My grandma told me it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. You believe it or do you have faith in Jesus? I mean, the historical Jesus, yes, but also the living Jesus now, who sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for your sins. Do you have faith in that Jesus, or do you just believe in him? And we read on, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Whew, that's good news. But to save the world through him. I like the way the King James says it. But that the world would be saved, but through him the world would be saved. Verse 18, let's look at this. Whoever believes in him, we've got to change that to has faith in him. It's not like believing in Santa Claus. It's having faith. Whoever has faith in him is not condemned. Yeah. But whoever does not have faith in him stands condemned already because he has not had faith in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, the Bible says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. It's too late. There was no need to come and bring condemnation on the world that because of original sin, we are born into a state of condemnation. So God didn't send his son Jesus to condemn the world. It was already done. But he came to save it, to offer a remedy 
to the universal condemnation into which all of us are born. And uh, so you don't have to do anything to be condemned except show up on the earth. There you go. But by having faith in the Son of God, you are no longer condemned. And the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Included in Christ Jesus as an, by the expression of your personal saving faith. This was the understanding of the early church in Acts chapter 16. If you want to turn over there, there's a pretty cool thing with a pretty cool guy named Paul who got himself thrown into jail for being a Christian. And the cool thing happened in the middle of the night when an angel came and kind of set the place on fire. About midnight, it says, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And uh, that's interesting, singing hymns to God. Hmm. And say singing these newfangled contemporary vineyard songs, you know, singing hymns to God. And just a thought. I shoot from the hip sometimes. There we go. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains fell loose. That's a good earthquake. Specific, huh? I don't think it was an earthquake. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because he would have been mercilessly tortured and killed by the Romans for failing because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) See, he'd been listening too. Philippians says that the guards had been listening too. Not just the other prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas, but he'd been listening too. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe, have, same Greek word, have faith in Jesus. Then they spoke the word of God, uh, word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house, in his house, that's the jailer's house, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and his, all his family were baptized. <laughs> the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. I mean, a little while ago, he was going to kill himself because of the Romans, right? And for that, everybody. Now he actually ushers them out of the jail and takes them home with joy and feeds them. Everything changes for him. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe, have faith in God, he and his whole family. That's saving faith. It changes things. Romans 10, keep going. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that means have faith, have faith that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's saving faith. Saving faith, not an intellectual agreement. Oh, I believe that this happened, this happened, this happened. And you can believe that, listen, this comes off so often, that you can believe that by having faith in Jesus, a person can be saved. And you may think that by believing that intellectually, 
that you have expressed faith. Now, there's something more to be done. It's the release. It's the release of your life-trusting confidence. It's the release of your life-trusting confidence. That's what saving faith is. It's the release of your confidence. It's the release of your life-trusting confidence. It's placing your confidence as an act of your will, placing your confidence in Jesus to save you. Life-trusting confidence. That's the kind of faith we're talking about. And you already know how to do this because you express, you, you show life-trusting confidence in a variety of ways in your life already. How many of you have ever flown on an airplane? And in doing so, you placed your life-trusting confidence, your faith, into the hands of another. And some of you were very relaxed, and some of you are nervous flyers, right? But you placed your life-trusting confidence. Think about all the ways you did that into the design and the integrity of the aircraft. You said, this thing's going to fly. I'm going to place my life-trusting confidence into all the people who contributed to the design of this aircraft, the construction of this aircraft, the maintenance of this aircraft, the service of this aircraft. All those people, you you placed your life-trusting confidence. And then you get to the pilot and crew. Faces you don't even see, names you don't even know. But it goes so far beyond that. What about air traffic controllers who are getting all these things off, up and down, and in and out? What about the other pilots and crew of other aircraft that you're counting on to pay attention to air traffic control? This is getting frightening, this flying thing, isn't it? It's getting complicated. And I'm sure Nelson, our retired airline pilot over there, could add to my list. But the point is, is that when you strap yourself into an airplane, you place your life-trusting confidence, your faith in so many. Think about surgery. We'll go to the doctors in the back. Think about surgery. Think about this. Life-trusting confidence into the hands of another, into the hands of a surgeon, into the hands of an anesthesiologist, into the hands of all sorts of technical people, into the hands of custodians who make certain that the room into which you're placed after surgery is not riddled with staph infection. Think about this. Hello? This is life-trusting confidence. I heard a story about a guy who, just before he was going into surgery, he said to the anesthesiologist, he said, you know... Why do we pay you all this money? You're very expensive. Why do we pay you all this money just to put people to sleep? And he said, you don't pay me all that money to put you to sleep. You pay me all that money to wake you up. <laughs> Life, trusting, confidence. People you've never met. People you never see. I'm the guy who, when they gives you that pre-op shot, I'm like, I'm gone. I never even see the inside of the place. Life, trusting, confidence. And sometimes you do it on smaller scales without even thinking about it. Driving through an intersection, you have a green light, right? Light's mine. 
and you have life-trusting confidence that the perpendicular lights are red. Do you ever go, oh, I hope it's red. You have life-trusting confidence that because it's red, the people who are coming are going to stop. How about turning on a light switch? Every single day, it's life-trusting confidence that plastic is not a conductive material. It's hooked up to this metal, and you complete the circuit, and you put 110 volts flying through there. You're a quarter of an inch away from being electrocuted every time you flip a switch. You're welcome. Uh, Honey, would you turn the light on for me? (laughs) But it's life-trusting confidence, isn't it? It's life-trusting confidence. You know how to do this. And that's what saving faith is. is placing your life-trusting confidence in Jesus. In Jesus. Hebrews 11 Verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this life trust, you have to believe that he exists. Saving faith begins with the confident belief that God exists. You see, I think you should wonder about your salvation if you go, you know, I'm just doing this Jesus thing in case there's a God. I'm just hedging my bets. The Bible says that that's not faith yet. That's that's pre-faith. What you need to have happen is to call out to this maybe God who exists to show himself to you so that you become persuaded that he exists and then you can have faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God for whoever comes to him must believe that he exists first of all and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That part of your saving faith is that you, you get that it is God's desire to show you his favor. To show you his favor. To rescue you from your sin. That he re- is a rewarder. That he is predisposed in favor toward you. This is part of saving faith. Not just signing the card and going, okay, I believe you, third day, yeah, but I got it. The catechism approach. Talking about a personal, dynamic expression of your faith. Catechism is important. It's important to know the stuff. But it is secondary to the release of your life-trusting confidence into Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 said, It's by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's by grace you have been saved, by the grace of God. It's putting your faith into the grace of God through his son Jesus. Life-trusting confidence. Jumping off the stage into the mosh pit of God's grace. And having that release. This is where the fire of God begins, with this saving faith, with the full release and expression and confidence, life-trusting confidence in Jesus. 
And back to our little triangle, this is where, this is where it begins. Saving faith is the fundamental foundation. Without saving faith, you will not experience the fire of God. I think the bigger issue is, without saving faith, you won't experience heaven. I think the bigger issue by far, of course, is without saving faith, you're not saved. And time is passing. And eternity's coming. And the Bible says it's appointed unto every man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Without saving faith, you are not ready for that. But with saving faith, you are completely ready for that. So the bigger issue for me is really that. If you spend your whole life and do not experience the, the fire of God because of the absence of the other two kinds of faith, I would rather by far have that happen than for you to miss saving faith. You know, so have you released? Have you released your life-trusting confidence to Jesus fully? How would I know? How can I know if my faith is genuinely a saving faith? First, realize that if you're saved, you should know it. Did you hear me? If you are saved, you should know it. You know, when I got married, I knew it. And I didn't ever go, huh? I really get married. And I never, ever, ever, ever say to her, we still married? I know I'm married. If you're saved, you should know it. If you're a person who is still kind of waffling in your mind back and forth, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved today? Am I not saved the other day? And I, th- I should think that you would want to address that until you can get to the place where God gives you the assurance that your faith has been sufficiently expressed in His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you know that you are saved. If it suddenly becomes aware to you that you, you, you haven't, you aren't, because it's not a moment, it's a lifestyle of continually expressing Life-trusting confidence in the sacrifice of Jesus. Or if you discover, I think I'm riding on somebody else's shirt tails, or I think I'm thinking that if I go to church, or because I signed the card, or I don't know that I've ever really experienced that. If you don't know that you're saved, then you should wonder. So when you consider that, would you say that you're a person who has fully placed your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross? Are you relaxed and confident in your eternal destiny? And I, we're still humbly grateful, are we not? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, ah, whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying we're cavalier about our lingering sin issues at all. I want those gone, don't you? I'm not saying relaxed and so confident that it doesn't matter. But I'm saying, are you substantially confident that your faith has been placed in Jesus in such a way so that you don't worry about the judgment? Humbly grateful, we live out our lives before God, still asking him to address lingering sin issues in our life, of course, but not not with this fragile salvation. 
I think another question you could ask yourself if you're wondering if your faith is genuinely saving faith is, is your worldview substantially changing? Jesus changes the price tags on your life. He changes the price tags on your life. Are your values changing? Things that used to be important are no longer important. Things that used to be not important suddenly are important. Are your values changing? Do you have a concern, a heart for the poor? Do you have a concern for justice? Do you have a concern for the lost? Are your, are your values changing? Are your desires changing? Do you want to do things now that you didn't used to want to do? And do you not want to do things now that you used to want to do? This is what Jesus does inside of us. Is the expenditure of your life, is the expenditure of your life focused substantially on the fulfillment of God's plan for you? That's another question, you know, is your worldview substantially changing? I think another question you should ask yourself if you're wondering if your faith is genuinely saving faith is, are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit emerging in your life in increasing measure? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you seeing this emerging in your life in increasing measure. This would be an indication that you're saved. A lack of it should cause you concern because it's the natural byproduct of being in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, as I've said before, are you living from the cross, not for the cross? Are you living from what Jesus did for you on the cross? See, being a Christian and becoming a Christian, this thing, saving faith, is not simply an on-ramp to a life of works and legalism. And I've got to work really hard to be worthy of the cross. It's not possible other than the merits of Jesus and that which he puts on us to be worthy of the cross. And so you're living from that. I've got the cross. I'm covered by the cross You know, I know that I'm covered by the cross and I live every day in that confidence. And when I fail and when I sin, my heart is grieved. My heart is broken. And I lay that before the Lord and I confess my sin to him and he forgives me and he fills me and he sustains me and he makes me stronger for the next next part of the journey. That's living from the cross. So this whole thing just begins with saving faith. And so I want to give you an opportunity to make a personal response to the Lord this morning. Because I want you, I want you to be saved, first of all. I want you to go to heaven after this. I mean, it would just be a tragic, tragic thing if you just came and came and listened and enjoyed and yet didn't go to heaven after this. It'd be tragic. And all that can be changed in an instant. And if you're stirred this morning to make a personal response of saving faith on the basis of what the Holy Spirit's been saying to you, I want you to do that. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if suddenly the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to say, I'm not sure I have, and you want to, then you should. 
doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else in the room, you should. So that you can know, that you can know that you're saved. Because saving faith, obviously, will set you up for eternity. But it's also the very foundation of experiencing the fire of God. And I don't want you to be a spectator. As we move through these three weeks and understand what happens, some of you are going to encounter the fire of God for the first time in your life. You're going to love it. I don't want anybody not to. So, Father, I just pray now, as we come to this time of response, that your Holy Spirit will be here to stir the hearts of the men, the women, and the young people in this room who are right now, for whatever reason, feeling stirred to make a personal response of saving faith, putting their life, trusting, confidence in Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives. I pray for every person in this room, Lord. I pray for them all the same. If they're here for the first time, in the first hearing of the words of Jesus dying on the cross for them, I pray for them. Lord, if they've been in some kind of relationship with you for decades and yet right now feel like they need to personally, personally express saving faith, we ask you to move their feet and we would rejoice in that without judgment, Lord. And so, Father God, I just pray in these remaining few minutes of our time together that your Holy Spirit will move powerfully in the lives that you are stirring now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together with me, church, please. I want to pray. I want to pray personally with those of you who are stirred by this message today. If you're a person in the room, it doesn't matter who you are, and you're stirred, stirred by a desire to express saving faith, life-trusting confidence in Jesus, the Savior and Lord of your life. And while we sing this song, I'd like you to come up here and just make a, make a group right up here. Just come as we sing.